0: Episode 16, Monster of the Week. Stay tuned after the credits for a bonus story.
1: If you are traveling across America, you might, in the heat of the late morning, at the edge of a large city or an extensive forest, come across a large, hand-painted sign. It will only be there if you aren't in a hurry. You will only notice it if you have no place in particular you need to be. The sign features one word, and no matter your history with the type of entertainment it advertises, you will be intrigued. If you are lucky, you will continue on, thinking a sign that old couldn't refer to something that still exists. Fortunately, it still does, but only if you aren't looking for it. You are following a sign, Mark. Zoo.
2: Whoever was in charge of the file room here has no concept of organizational systems whatsoever and there is nothing that can convince me otherwise. I just spent three hours digging through just loose files that didn't seem to have any correlation to one another. Just stacks on the floor and folders arranged haphazardly on a shelf. Some are just one or two pages of a report left lying about with its other pieces missing. Three whole hours to pull what Mothman asked me to take a look at. From what I understand, there have been a large number of break-in reports in Provincetown, Massachusetts. That alone isn't really our thing, but when you combine it with the fact that in every instance, there were no signs of forced entry in any of the homes, no unlocked doors or windows and police could not find any evidence of someone sneaking in or out of the houses. Oh yeah, and the fact that all these incidents were learned about after the fact because who or whatever is breaking in scares children and causes them to go into day-long comas. Well it starts to look slightly more like our sort of thing. The children all reported the same thing, that they had just gone to bed when the monster came into their room. Each child described the monster differently, too. To some, it was a big, hulking shadow creature, others saw sea monsters, and some saw things like clowns or big snakes. It seemed to be tailored to the fears of the child encountering it. Oh, and did I mention the children falling asleep for a full 24 hours? They just sleep, and then wake up perfectly fine, all things considered. I looked over reports we already had and found some similar things scattered throughout, shapeshifters and doppelgangers, but the goal of a cryptid like that is usually to blend in. Something like this draws a lot of attention, and believe it or not, shapeshifters aren't lining up to just do psychological damage to children. Mothman doesn't have anything specifically like this on record either, so we may be on the verge of a new discovery. It's exciting, I guess, to be here for that. I'm afraid that I haven't found enough for us to go off of. I still don't really know what people expect of me. All I can do is take what little I do have to Mothman and see what he decides. Maybe he'll decide that this really isn't our thing and tell me I did a good job working that out. Probably not, though, because it's always something. Alright, then. Great news. Mothman definitely thinks it's something, which means someone has to go investigate, and this time, that someone is me. I'd really like you on this one, Michaela. You have a history of investigating crimes, and this looks like a break-in. You know how to navigate this. So, off to Massachusetts for me, I guess. Alone. No Barnes on this one. No Amos. Just me. I can't believe I'm actually admitting this out loud, but I'm scared. Things are so different these days. I spend so much time alone. People at the zoo are in and out all the time, so the few friends I have made aren't always super available. It really makes me miss Beckett's stability. Get over it, Michaela. It's time to accept that this is your life now. You chose it, and it may mean not seeing your friends ever again, but we have a case, so let's focus on that. You know... I used to be so afraid of the zoo vans when I was reading about them. They sounded very scary, like some kind of windowless raid vehicle here to take you in the night. Now I'm afraid of the zoo vans because I genuinely think this thing might rattle apart while I'm driving it down the interstate. Only five more hours to Provincetown. Against all odds, I have arrived, safe and sound. I only have a couple of interviews to do, see if I can gather any more information on this thing, whatever it is. Mothman told me not to engage if I find it, to call in backup before attempting that. I have to say, it's a huge relief. I can question witnesses and collect information, but wrestling some sort of nightmare monster into a burlap sack on my own, it doesn't necessarily sound like something i want to do okay first house ellie and hannah jones and their six-year-old son cooper about a week ago cooper was attacked by this thing and ended up in the hospital
3: good afternoon what can i help you with
2: hello are you hannah jones I am, and you are? Special Agent Michaela Kespar, I have a few questions about what happened to your son. Of course, come on in.
3: He and Ellie are out right now, but I'm happy to answer anything I can.
2: Thank you, Mrs. Jones. What happened to Cooper was, well, it was a bit out of the ordinary, wasn't it?
3: I'll say. It was a very frightening time. We had no idea what could have happened. It was the most frightening day of our lives.
2: I understand. I'm sorry your family is going through this, and I'm sorry to have to bring it up again.
3: No worries, Agent Casper. If it means we find out who's responsible, I feel just fine talking about it. What do you need to know?
2: It may be best to start from the beginning. My report is really pretty vague about the details. I know there were no signs of forced entry and I know he was asleep for quite some time, but not much beyond that.
3: Oh, well, it all started when Ellie went to wake Cooper up to get ready for school and he was completely unresponsive. It was horrible. She was screaming for me and when I ran in, she was shaking him hysterically. He was breathing just fine. Didn't seem to have anything wrong with him that we could see, so I called 911.
2: That sounds awful.
3: It was. When the paramedics got there, they couldn't figure anything out either. The same thing with the doctors and the nurses at the hospital. There was nothing at all wrong with our son. He just wouldn't wake up. They were taking all kinds of samples from him, testing for everything under the sun, it seemed like.
2: And they didn't find anything?
3: Nothing. Nothing. Perfectly healthy six-year-old boy.
2: So what happened next?
3: That's where it went from kind of weird to truly strange. He just woke up around nine o'clock that night as we were sitting in his hospital room just waiting for my lab results to show up.
2: Was he okay?
3: Well, that's the thing. Physically, yes. Fine still, but he woke up just screaming his lungs out. When the doctors and nurses got him to calm down enough to talk, he told us about the shadow man who came in his room after we put him to bed
2: that night. The shadow man?
3: Yes, the shadow man. Said he was very tall, taller than any man he'd ever seen, and when Cooper rode over, the shadow man was standing over him. And when Cooper opened his mouth to scream, he was paralyzed, couldn't move at all, and then he passed out. Of course we had police and investigators at the house that night to see where he could have entered or any evidence that someone had been in the house.
2: Was anything missing? Jewelry or small valuables police might have missed?
3: No, nothing like that. We combed over everything we owned and nothing was even a little bit out of place.
2: So no sign of entry, nothing missing, no clues. What do you think happened?
3: The police didn't find anything and the doctor seemed to think it was a combination of sleep paralysis and anxiety. We've made an appointment with a sleep therapist, so going forward, we can combat these things.
2: You don't think there's anything to the intruder theory?
3: Not at all. Like I said, the police didn't find anything and what happened matched the doctor's description of sleep paralysis perfectly. Nothing indicated a break-in.
2: Mrs. Jones... What would you say if I told you this was happening to a lot of kids in your town? What? A number of children have had very similar experiences. All of them reported seeing different things in their rooms before they went unconscious.
3: I'm afraid I haven't heard anything about it.
2: Well, don't you think that's weird?
3: I'm sorry. The doctor assured us that this was common for children Cooper's age.
2: Being afraid of the dark or having some sleep anxiety, sure, but these exact circumstances? I don't know, it just doesn't add up to me. You're absolutely positive you haven't seen anything weird going on in town.
3: I mean, there were those marine biologists.
2: Marine biologists.
3: Yeah. There were some marine biologists in town asking a lot of questions about the marine life right off the coast. Some kind of new discovery or something? I heard a rumor that they were asking about some very strange things. Maybe there's some kind of illness attached to that? We eat a lot of seafood around here.
2: Maybe something to do with that. I'll definitely keep that in mind. I'll let you know if I find anything out, of course.
3: Do you have a card or a phone number I could have? You know, in case I see anything.
2: Oh, I only have my company phone, so probably not.
3: Your company phone? I'm sure that will be fine. I mean, this is official business.
2: It's not for this sort of thing. It probably wouldn't even work if you did have the number.
3: Well, um, okay then i'll just wait for you to contact us then i guess
2: yeah that would be easiest i'll let you know what i have as soon as i can that checks out with the minimal information we've received so far i'm still going to see the next family the tailors they have a daughter that went There's- what? Slow down, Barnes. Another one. Can you get me the address? Wait, no, it's better if you text it- What? They don't have texting? Fine, let me find a pen and paper, I guess. Someone should really tell Mothman that we need an upgrade- Okay, Barnes, I'm ready for that address. I'll go check out the house, see if I can find anything. I'm officially breaking and entering. That's the situation here. I'm in somebody's house without their permission and I had to pick a lock to be here. So there's that. I'm just lurking through an empty house. The family who lives here is at the hospital with their daughter who is currently in the middle of an attack, very similar to what the Jones family went through. So I'm probably safe from being arrested, right? Wait, what happens if I get arrested? Will Mothman bail me out? I can't focus on that right now. The parts of the house I've been in seem normal. Nothing off except maybe the signs of a family rushing off to the hospital. I. I can't imagine how scary this must have been. I mean, to go to bed and think everything is fine, and wake up to an unresponsive child and no answers. It's unfathomable. Maybe I should have gone to the hospital first to help reassure them, I mean, if our numbers are right, the staff has seen this at least six times now, so they'll probably be able to do that, right? It's probably better than coming from a total stranger. Okay, I'm approaching the child's room. Maria is her name, by the way. The little girl. It sounds weird, but I'm really creeped out going in there. It's a normal child's room. Not even any weird dolls or anything, just kid stuff. Taking a look around, nothing seems off. The window is closed and locked, untampered with. The closet isn't really big enough for a person to hide in, especially not for an extended period of time. So no monsters in this closet. Wait a minute, that's what kids are afraid of. Monsters in the closet, or of course. You see, kids are afraid of a lot of different things. Some of them have a thing with clowns, or big mutated animals, or hideous monsters. But more than that, kids are afraid of one of those things lurking just out of sight, places they can't keep their eyes on constantly which like, yeah, creepy as hell. I get it. For me, it was always my closet. I had the basement bedroom, and I had this big closet that was in a spot that my nightlight never quite reached. It was also kind of around a corner. I hated it. I would just stare at the corner for what felt like hours sometimes. I simultaneously felt terrified that I was going to see something just walk out and come towards me, but also that nothing could happen as long as I was looking at it. It's that kind of weird kid logic where you start making up rules so you feel in control. You see, I wasn't afraid of any particular monster or person hiding around the corner in my closet, but I was deeply terrified of something lurking just out of my sight. Something I couldn't control or understand. That's what was scary. I can definitely see how effective something could be if it lurked just out of sight, where a child couldn't possibly keep eyes on it all the time. If that creature could somehow figure out exactly what each child was afraid of, and tailor themselves to it, well, they could really do a lot of damage, don't you think? What I would really want to know, however, is how you know exactly what to be. I mean, do you watch the children and observe them over time, or can you sense it? I mean, you thought of hiding under the bed, which was pretty clever.
3: Please don't hurt me.
2: You better start explaining, and don't you dare try to put me in a fear coma.
3: That will be hard, and those who are afraid of abstract things. I can't turn into your fear of everything go wrong. What does a fear of failure look like? That's why it has to be kids.
2: Okay, well, I guess that answers one of my questions, and what can I say but yikes? Why do you do this? I eat fear. <sighs> you eat it? What does that mean? I have to eat it. I know takes a lot of energy from them,
3: but I'm so empty.
2: So you scare them horribly and then just eat the fear they put out.
3: I don't like to scare people. I have to so I can live. Please don't hurt me.
2: I'm not going to hurt you, but I can't just let you do this. I can't stop. I have an idea. I have a place you can stay where you can be safe, and trust me, people are afraid of the things there enough all the time that you shouldn't have to resort to this to keep yourself going. Oh? Yeah, we have a whole zoo of things like you. Come with me and we can help keep you safe.
1: Can I leave if I want to?
2: I, uh, well I think so. I mean it's not a prison sentence, so I would assume you could? I'm a new employee, so I don't know 100%, but believe me when I say you won't want to. This is going to sound like a 90s PSA, but let's go get in my van and I'll take you to the zoo. After an amount of wrangling and getting an amorphous and ethereal blob securely put in this death trap of a vehicle, we are headed back to the anchor. But this thing, the monster under the bed, it made me have a few questions for Mothman. I mean, it's not a prison sentence, what we're doing, and this particular creature has weird abilities, and yeah, some weird urges, but it also has a level of sentience. It had a conversation with me. It's on at least the level of the children it was targeting, which is troubling. We can't just lock things up permanently and never let them go if they have consciousness, right? But the zoo has in the past. I don't... I don't know... I'm sure anything that has advanced decision-making skills is free to go unless, like, it also has a criminal record, like the Banshees or Springhill Jack, right? I'm going to talk to the Mothman as soon as I get back, as long as he has the time. Like hell, I'll approach Dalton with this, I don't want to be the one in prison. Ugh, I have a long way back to the nearest anchor. Here's hoping the van doesn't rattle apart on my way.
0: Zoo was created by CJ Hausch, Connie Kitts, and Cody Phillips. The voice of Michaela Kaspar is Connie Kitts. The voice of the monster under the bed is Zoe Rose. The voice of Alexander Beckett is Nathan Gandy. The voice of Indrid Cold is Shelby Hager. And the voice of Hannah Jones is Sheila Morris. Follow us on Twitter, at ZooPodcast. Did you know that our population of money toads do not actually produce money, but we still need it? Please donate at patreon.com zoopodcast We would like to thank our Spooklight sponsors, Yzma Heck and Mads Upton, and our Bigfoot benefactors, Mike Gokel, Alexandra Pal, Matthew Statton, and Paul Matteo.
4: Agent Beckett, have you found anything?
1: At this point, no, nothing. I went to speak with her sister in person and she was less than helpful. I mean, she did mention that Michaela has a bit of a history disappearing on everyone when she's going through something, so we have that.
4: I see, so you're telling me you're not concerned about her whereabouts.
1: What? No, I'm just saying that, you know, it isn't completely out of character. We have seen evidence that she's alive at least.
4: And what about her flashing her badge and using it to question someone? She did what now? A mother in Maine had a very ill child, and Michaela approached her to ask some questions about it. She used her FBI badge in order to facilitate this meeting. I only heard about it because it just so happens I had members of another team of mine still in town after an investigation they were pursuing, and well, word got around after Michaela said some strange things to the mother in question. Now, Michaela Kespar is no longer an FBI agent, meaning she really shouldn't be flashing a badge around, should she? No, she...
1: well, it seemed like a very strange thing to do and all-around bad idea. I'm guessing your other agents didn't see her while she was still in town, did they?
4: If they had, we wouldn't have to have this conversation, Beckett. I know you must want to find her just as badly as I do, but you're going to have to do better. I will do anything I can and follow whatever leads
1: I need to. But I don't know how well we will do it if she doesn't want to be found.
4: Oh? You think the two of us together can't find one little troublemaking former agent? I like to think we're better than that, Agent Beckett.
1: We might be, but, you know, sometimes these things don't pan out the way we want them to.
4: It would be in everybody's best interest if this did pan out how we want to.
1: Of course. Yeah, I want to find her as well.
4: What's our next lead? That's the spirit. I don't have anything at this moment, but I'll be in contact shortly with your next move. Gather all the information you can in the meantime.
1: That settles that. New goal. Find Michaela before Agent Cold does, hopefully without his knowledge.
0: A Road production. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Stop staring at me, cat's freaking me out. You can't have my
1: soul.